two very short scriptures. The first can be found in Deuteronomy in chapter 31. They're both really one and the same scripture, but we'll read both of them anyway. I just want to read them in both the Old and the New Testament. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we'll read verse number 6. Be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now I turn over to Hebrews and chapter 11. 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, and it's the last clause of verse number 5. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So we have here the the same promise is given in both the Old and the New Testament. And this verse comes in... If we look at all our backgrounds, we all come from a busy, busy world with many, many worries. We're all worried about everything and anything. I think I'm the biggest culprit about worrying over things. I'm worried right now how I'm going to fit in the next 10 minutes, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to present this, this message. I'm worried about work. I'm worried about family. We're worried about everything. But here I I just wanted to give us some reasons why we should worry less. Why we should worry less. And in a nutshell, at the beginning, the reason why we should worry less is because we have one who is with us, who has promised us that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. I was sitting at the back, and uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but... uh, Somebody asked me how I was, and I said, yes, I'm fine, and I reciprocated the question. And she said, yes, I'm fine, but nobody cares anyway. <laughs> I beg to differ with that. Just It, it kind of fit in with the message that I have right here. We have it plain, plain as day, in the Old and the New Testament. Although there probably is some truth in what was said there, a lot of the times that little uh, exchange... It's just formality. We, we just do it without thinking. But here we have someone who says and has proven that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I go back, when I think of the scripture, I go back to a couple of things my mum and dad have said to me. When my mum had an illness at home and other things were going on, one thing that she always said, the Lord will bring me through. She always said that. My dad, on the other hand, when he was trying to urge us to, to get salvation, he would say, don't worry about trying to keep salvation after you've got it. He'll keep it for you. And it's true. He doesn't expect us to keep it. He has done all the work. He has saved us from sin. And he will continually save us through life until the ultimate salvation, until the ultimate redemption, as it were. The theme of our meeting this morning was remember me. The Lord said remember me. And the reason we should remember him is because he has remembered us. All the way from the beginning of time. 
and he proved it again at Calvary. Remember me. When Dave got up to speak this morning, I, I read in Hebrews, and I, I, I thought he was going to steal my thunder a little bit, but then when he started speaking about grammar and tenses and all this, I, I knew I was, I was safe. But the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to make a little few references to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is one of the great lists of names in the Bible. Five really great lists of names in the Bibles, if you exclude the, uh, the genealogies and we start off with Jacob and he has a list of sons in Genesis and he tells them their future. We come to Nehemiah and he, goes over, he has a list of builders, a list of names there. Then we have, sorry, we go back and we have David and he has a list of uh, soldiers that he goes over. In Romans 16 we have another great list of names and it's simply a list, a, a list of saints, a list of saints in the assembly. And here we have the last great list of names, Hebrews 11, a list of worthies. A list of people who had faith. And I know David spoke about faith this morning. It was mentioned a number of times. We have faith in a faithful one. Faith has to have an object to have faith in. And it's that faithful one that I want to talk about today. In Hebrews 11 it mentions the faithful one a number of times. It says that Sarah counted him faithful who had promised. She knew that the one that she had, she had uh, trusted in would deliver on the promises that he had given. That he would never leave her nor forsake her. But let's, let's go back through some of the examples and let's prove again. These are all simple thoughts. They're all right on the surface. But let's remind us ourselves all again that he will never leave us nor forsake us and how he has proven it in the past so we're better to start than at the very beginning I remember one of the brethren at home I think he was a full time preacher he said how you begin your Christian experience is how you mean to go on how you begin it is how you will go on through it and that's probably a very true principle how someone starts out in something is how they will continue on. So let's look at how the faithful one that we are talking about started out. Immediately in the Garden of Eden we have Adam and Eve, we have sin coming in, we have the judgment pronounced upon men. And remember just here that he said, okay, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Does that mean that at that occasion he was leaving them and forsaking them? No, not at all. No sooner had sin entered into the Garden of Eden than a promise was given. A promise was given of a Saviour. A promise of a Saviour that would come not the next day. We've been thinking about it in Galatians. In between we have the law, we have the schoolmaster. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. He made that promise at the very beginning. And did he deliver on it? Yes, he did. We all look back again to Calvary again this morning. We looked again to the, to the promise that was fulfilled, the promise that was given in the Garden of Eden, of the seed that would come, the seed that would bruise the serpent's head. And we find at the very beginning, again of one, who would never leave us nor forsake us. If he gives a promise, he will deliver on it. 
If I give you a promise, there's a good chance that I might fulfill it 80, 90, 85%, maybe not even at all. But here again we have one who will never leave us nor forsake us. He has given us a promise of salvation and he will keep us through life from beginning to end. So we'll move on. We're going to move quite quickly here. Just a quick history. So we have the beginning. We have Adam in the Garden of Eden. We have the promise that was given to him. Then we move on to the boat. I tried to get all these to begin with the letter B. It didn't quite work, so you'll forgive me for the ones that don't. The boat, Noah. Again, judgment is coming. Again, people are sinful. People are disobeying God. But again, does the God of heaven leave us to our own devices? Or did he leave them to their own devices? Did he just let them carry on? Did he just bring judgment and take away the whole earth? No. Noah being warned of God of things not seen of yet, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Eight souls were saved. The God that we deal with is a just God. He expects us to toe the line as it were. But at the same time, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will bring us through trials, through tribulations, but he will never leave us on our own. He said, I think it was to Paul, my grace, grace is sufficient for thee. If he brings us into a trial, he will give us the grace to go through it. We'll move on then to from the boat now to the blessings. And again, we've thought about this in Galatians. He's brought, he's called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees. He's came over the river. He's a Hebrew now. He's sojourning in the land. And he gives him a promise of a seed and of a son. He gives him a promise of a land. Remember now that this man, Abraham, he's dwelling in tents. He's just left all behind in the earth of the Chaldees. He's dwelling in tents. And yet God promises him a land. And does he deliver on that promise? Yes, again he does. He brings him the tents, he brings him through the Red Sea, he brings him over Jordan. The walls of Jericho fall down and they take the land. He promises him a seed, promises him a, a son. And does, does he deliver on that? Does he leave him to his own devices? Remember Sarah was well gone in years. I think Abraham at this stage was maybe a hundred years old. And does he leave them to their own devices, to their own means? Does he forsake them? Does he just leave them on their own? No. Again, he delivers. Beyond all physical comprehension, beyond the laws of biology or what, a seed comes. A son is born. Isaac. One who would bring, continue the line to the the greater, the greater son would come. David's greater son. We'll move quickly. We'll come into, I was going to mention Joseph. And of course, was he left to his own devices down in Egypt? Remember, Joseph had trouble with his brethren. Remember, each of us here. Just a quick point. I'm going to be mentioning trouble we have with the world, the busyness we have with the world. We have trouble with the brethren as well. We have trouble amongst ourselves. But remember, 
that if we are in the right, God will never leave us nor forsake us. He will bring us through each of those trials, just like Joseph was brought through. Remember, they thought it was for evil, but God meant it for good. God will bring us through everything, any tribulation that we have. We go down then, we go down into Babylon, and we take a look at Daniel. A young man, he's in Babylon, he's in a strange country. The first thing they do is they, they try to remove all, all history from him. They, tried, they change his name from Daniel to Belteshazzar. They remove the reference to his true God to make it his name now a reference to the God that they want in him to, to praise and to worship. They do the same with his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Remember this, this is a young man down in Babylon, in a strange country, and they, try to, they change his, his schooling. They, they give him a teaching and all the wisdom of Babylon. They try to instill in him from an, an early age all this mystical stuff of Babylon and to remove all, all, what, all his past, all his history from Abraham and so forth. And we should remember that the youth are important. And how they are schooled and how they are taught is very important. It's very important. What young people learn at an early age stays with them throughout all their life. And we see here that God brought Daniel through it all. They didn't just try to school him in Babylon's ways. They changed his diet. They changed what he fed upon. Remember, we need to watch what we're feeding upon. We shouldn't be feeding upon the world. We should be feeding more upon this book. Not only tried to change his diet, they changed his school, they changed his name. They tried to remove everything from him. And yet we see that Daniel still prayed. And the three men that we mentioned at the beginning, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they entered into the fiery furnace, when Daniel prayed and was cast into the den of lions, do we find that Daniel was on his own in the den of lions? Do we find that those three men were in their own in the furnace? No. Again, we have one who never left them nor forsook them. Again, we see one who is faithful to his word. He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He has proved it from the beginning. He proved it to Noah. He proved it to Abraham. He proved it to Daniel. And he continues and should continue to prove it to us. Quick couple of references in the New Testament. Again, a boat, we have Peter. Peter's walking on the water. And he takes his eyes off the Lord. And this is the exhortation for us today. To keep our eyes upon the Lord. To keep our eyes upon the one who will never forsake us. Never let us down. Just as Peter went down as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord. If we take our eyes off him. We too may find ourselves sinking. But as soon as Peter said Lord save me. We find that Peter was safe and they come to the other side. And again we look at Paul. Paul is also in a boat. And it says, he's in a shipwreck, and it says that when sun or moon in many days appeared, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And was Paul saved through it all? Yes, again he was. God had given Paul a mission through his life. And he preserved him through every trial. If you read, I think it is, in Second Corinthians 11, maybe, those list of things that Paul went through. 
the beatings, the stonings, the shipwrecks, and so on. And yet we have one that we look again at the one who brought Peter Paul through it all. The one who said in Hebrews, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Just on the flip side, little closing thought. You've heard it before. He says to us, I will never leave thee nor forsake us, but think again of what happened at Calvary. Think again of the one that was left alone upon the cross to die. Think again of the one who was forsaken by God for our sins. And he's the one who's the faithful one, the one that's faithful in all his house. I think it reads in Hebrews chapter 3 or 4. One who is faithful in all his house. Our great high priest, our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So again, I would urge you to keep trusting in the one that saved you. From the day that you're saved to the day that you will die, you will have one that will never leave you nor forsake you. We'll bow our heads in prayer. God